You're listening to the Huck and Ride Podcast, the show that celebrates the two-wheel lifestyle from pros to beginners and everything in between. Proudly brought to you by Kenda, the tire that's designed for your journey, the Huck and Ride Podcast is homegrown on two wheels. And now, here's your hosts, Jason Simpson and Lala Naharis. All right, here we are. Well, well, well. <laughs> Someone's in shock. Yeah, yeah. I've never been on this side of the camera before. I like to be on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't work with us. (laughs) Welcome to our Huck and Ride podcast. Um, This week, we uh, made the trek out to one of our favorite sponsors of our our team. It's been, I don't know, gosh, I... I was just sharing with one of the kids yesterday at the team. He's he said, "Oh, I just got a." We signed up a new kid on the team, and he goes, "Oh, I just got um, a little deal through uh, uh, with ODI." And I'm like, "Oh, cool!" And he just joined the team. I'm like, "Yeah, he's been sponsoring the team for 16, 17 years now." <laughs> Has to be at least that long. Yeah, it might yeah. even be longer. Yeah. So we are, needless to say, we are out here at ODI in Riverside, Colby Young. Hi. <laughs> thanks Ms. thanks Ms. for coming out. Wh- which one of you is Huck and which one's Ride? I, I just want to get this Huck straight. has four legs. He's about this big. Oh, uh, okay. And then, which is Jay's dog. <laughs> yeah. And we all ride. But Huck and – if anyone's going to do any hucking on a bike, it's definitely going to be Jay before me. So we're yeah. golden. <laughs> got, got to pull up the picture of Huck for uh, yeah. Colby oh, to see. Okay. But, uh, no, no, I got to yeah. get the formal introduction. Yeah. Yeah, right. trying to – just so you guys know, trying to track him down was like, okay, this one, okay, this one. Like, because <laughs> – if you know anything about Colby, he's always busy working, working the grave sh- graveyard shift between family and juggling work and always loves innovating and doing stuff. So it's huge. Oh, yeah. That he's, is Huck. He is, he's a cute little guy. Toy, toy Aussie. Nice. He's like nine pounds. You'll have to make sure that shows up on the, you know, covers up everybody on the screen. Yeah. When this thing gets <laughs> yeah. out. Right? Don't have to look at our ugly mugs. <laughs> And so if any of you guys go to races, you actually get to see Colby uh, out. Most of them, whether BMX, moto, uh, d- mountain bike, downhill, cross country, there's some form of ODI, which you guys, USA made, nothing like supporting USA made, right? Yeah. So how long, why don't you tell us a little bit how, how long you've been with ODI and what's your actual job title besides everything? Okay. Um, <laughs> so I've been with ODI since 1999. So I'm trying to think how long is that now. So going on 23 years. So July this year, it'll be 23 years. I actually started uh, with the company. The, the company's owned by Edge Plastics, a parent company. I started with them in 99. Technically didn't start working on the ODI side until I think 2001, 2003. Um, somewhere in that range, I kind of started and then kind of worked my way up. I think originally I was just doing trade shows and a little bit of marketing. Um, but then been kind of uh, the... The person running the ODI show since 2005, 2006. So it's been a minute. Yeah. So uh, like Lala said, we're American made. We um, operate here out of Riverside, California. Uh, The brand goes way back before me. I I inherited a a really uh, storied brand, which I'm, you know, always kind of feel like a steward of it. Yeah. Like I've got to fulfill what was already going on before me. Um, ODI, the, the original origins are a little bit murky, um, sometime between <laughs> 1978 and 1981. Okay. Uh, it started with Herb and Kay, a German couple who, um, were out here in, uh, Orange County, I think Torrance area Okay. before my time. So it's all kind of secondhand, but they, uh, they originated some of the original mushroom grips and things yeah. that, uh, some people are still riding and there's a lot of really good history with that back when the rise of BMX originally 
and I think that was their first major hit. They were also making um, moto grips and some other. So you know, back in the day, they did uh, skateboard rails, uh, boogie board handles, um, some really innovative kind of before its time uh, grip tape, um, and then also I heard some like Christmas ornaments or, or something. <laughs> so just something <laughs> random, yeah. So something like that. Uh, skateboard wheels, I think, even at one point. Yeah. I haven't been able to find those. Um, but, and then it kind of evolved and went through a few different owners and ended up with, uh, Dave in 1994. Okay. So that's, uh, Edge Plastics was doing the molding for them. And then eventually, um, the owners said that they were going to move on and they wanted Dave to kind of take it over. So he took it over. And I think, um, from 94 to 99, they started kind of researching and, and really kind of looking at the market. And, and I think. Uh, somewhere around 2000, I think, is when the first lock-on grip launched. And that's kind of about the same time that I started. So I got to see some of the behind-the-scenes. And I think I was at my first trade show was the trade show when they launched the lock-on grip system okay. way back in the day in, well, in, I in didn't Vegas. Know, I didn't even know some of that. So so, so Dave um, owned Edge Plastics before. So he was mm -hmm. doing the molding and all that for ODI or yes, for so the company. that Some of the molding. So ODI molding. would... There were some, some murky years there yeah. where there's a few different owners. And I think a little bit of the story that I've heard is that they had a couple of molders that were doing um, molding for them. And they were kind of constantly getting into cash flow problems. Gotcha. So w what they would do is they would bring some some cash over and they'd pay for you know one order and then they'd put in the next order. And then they were kind of spreading that around to try to get as much product as they could. Um, the other molder, I think, was in San Diego, Oceanside area. Okay. Uh, and eventually, after ODI started, that became the origin of ATI. Okay. Uh, is the other molder, which interestingly enough, Herb and Kay, who started ODI, also started ATI. Um, when they sold out the original partner, there was some breakdown on the deal. They didn't get paid all the way. They were they were meant to retire, but they couldn't because they weren't getting paid for this company that they had sold. So out of kind of desperation, they started another grip company, and you know. And then for a while there, when I first started, it was ODI-ATI, ODI-ATI. ATI has kind of since moved on, and they're doing some other molding for other things okay. now. But, uh, yeah, luckily ODI stuck around, and we're still doing some stuff. Yeah. Trying to make wow. trying to make moves. Yeah, I know the first time I, I came out, Colby took us on a tour of the of the facility, and and he's like, well, the other, the parent company is Edge Plastics, and he's kind of, he goes, yeah, these are like swimming pool covers, and I'm like... Hmm. Okay. Never would have guessed that, but yeah, you know, Total molding, molding, <laughs> molding things and doing, you know, just like you're saying, you know, they did grips and boogie boards and Christmas ornaments. It's like, I'm not surprised anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting, uh, the origins, but I mean, injection molding was kind of where they started and that being part of our heritage, we really kind of focused on, uh, innovating and being able to have that closeness to the the tooling and the manufacturing processes and even the the packaging processes and we've tried to implement as many changes as we can and it's actually kind of a, an interesting thing when I get to work with the brands on the edge side too we, we make uh, products for a lot of small companies and you can really see the difference in being able to bring them in-house and go over the tooling directly or go right to the machine and say yeah. hey here's the problems we're having or or what problems are you seeing in the marketplace that we can help you solve. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of part of the tour, so I don't want to ruin it for anyone who comes here. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that um, was really cool where we got to see that in action is on the swimming pool side that you mentioned, one of our customers, they changed the federal regulations on um, oh. what would pass for the swimming pools. And it was actually our in-house designer 
who came up with a retrofit to the our customer's oh, nice. product and said, hey, why don't we just do this? And then all of your products will will pass, and and it ended up, you know, probably saving the business of our our customer. But had we not had that close relationship and really understood their market and what they were doing and what they were up against, right, we wouldn't have been able to come up yeah. with that solution. And you kind of lose that when you outsource everything over yep. to a different continent. Yeah, you know, you can definitely maintain it if you have people there overseeing right. and interacting, but. It, uh, it definitely helps on the, the innovation side to understand sure. the full process. But you can go back there, and I know it's more than turning a knob, but you can go back there, turn a knob, fix the problem, and you're not wait, not getting a whole container over here full of stuff, and then you're like, okay, this is all wrong. You're out there, whoa, whoa, wait, let's change this now, right? Like that type of thing versus... So it's one of those things, but also when things go wrong, you learn from it, and then you go, okay, well, how can we make it right? And when it's not your product line, when you're just molding for somebody else, you, you know, you there may not be that incentive there. Right. Um, so, you know, you just tell the customer, hey, that didn't work. Rather than, hey, that didn't work, but if we tweak X, Y, Z, we kind of do a little change here, put a little bit more effort into this, then, yeah, we can get around this. We can get from A to Z. And that's kind of where we live. You know, we, we have, I think, over, I think I added up before, it was like 200 years of injection molding experience in the building between mm. all the different managers wow. and supervisors and people that have been, so that, there's almost nothing I can't bring to those guys and say, hey, we're trying to do this. And they go, yeah, I've seen this before. In his before. free time, he adds up the the experience <laughs> hours, you know, yeah. talking, to, talking to a numbers guy because he didn't have enough numbers going on in his head. So he had to figure something else out to add more yeah, numbers. How do we know he's a numbers guy, right? <laughs> exactly. I have a spreadsheet. I, <laughs> if anything I've learned from you over the years, it's definitely that. And you don't like waste. I don't like waste. No, that's one of the uh, – and I don't – I don't like things that get passed on to the customer. That's, you know, it frustrates me as a consumer to know that if I'm paying $100 for something and $30 of that is packaging that I'm just going to throw away, well, I'd rather save the $30, put it in a poly bag, and, you know, let's let's all get on with our lives. Yeah. But. While we're talking about that, I'm going to grab something because this is one of the things I learned on our tour. <laughs> so for all you BMXers or people who's bought with these header cards, okay, I, I've sold them for years and didn't know this until I came here. And what's really cool is someone who innovates, he really doesn't like the plastic. He likes everything being used. This right here, you take a blade and you cut this out, right? There's a little hole. Behind one of these plugs right here, you can see that on the camera, there's a key ring. That, you take that, and that now becomes your key ring for right. your keys or whatever with a an key, ODI. Keychain holder. So there's not, this isn't just wasted plastic. It's also made out of recycled grips. There you go. So, so it's not. The point weird. of that package was um, we used to put all of those grips in clamshells. And the last time fuel pr prices in California went through the roof and oil prices went, the clamshell got to be more expensive than the grips. And we were going to have to do a major price increase, not because the grips had gone up, but because the clamshell price had gone up. So we were searching around for a better solution to that. And uh, one of the days we were sitting around, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but they're like, well, why don't we just mold the packaging? We're like, well, wait a minute. We do have all this scrap material that we collect while we're making the grips. And, yeah, that would be a better than that just going to waste. So, yeah, yeah. we came up with the – That's awesome. It, which I love it. I get so excited in the store. I'm, like, telling the kids who's getting them, like, hey, you get a keychain. And they're like, I don't have keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mom and Dad does. You can hang this on your bike. You can do whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I had to show that because I love – now that you're going to have thing. to have like yeah. fob protector or something. Some sort of cell phone protector. <laughs> yeah. video right. game. It's a video game sleeve. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like a well, controller. And, and I've seen, because I've been back there, the the extra um, you know, materials and 
you actually made a rainbow grip one time, like all the different colors. Like, I love those ones. And yeah. like, you know, so I, I liked when you always did something. You could tell, like, oh, this they do this with it. Are they? Because when you go back there, you see the extra, like those cutouts, do, you know, every groove has product. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking about the brand ODI. What does ODI stand for? Oh, that's a good trivia question. Should I should I give the answer? <laughs> Actually, let's not. Let's not. Maybe whoever the first person, once this goes live, okay. once this goes out, first person to respond, whether it's on Instagram, we'll look at times, Instagram, YouTube, or um, Facebook, whoever puts it out there, will get a t-shirt and a pair of grips. Okay. So you'll awesome. have to let us know Mountain and we'll send them out to... We'll, well, I won't send them, Colby. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, Lala's really giving with <laughs> Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Jeez. Hey, it's I'll not... tell you what. First person, Lala's going to take you to lunch, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Colby will be Ruth, sending you. Ruth's Chris, here we come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Baller so, on a budget. We're getting McDonald's. <laughs> so um, we have to clarify that, though, because there's the original ODI. Okay. And then we, in 2015, as part of the rebranding effort, we, okay. we changed it. Kind of updated it a little bit. So, so, okay. let's, so let's let's do the original. Okay, the original. original. That, I mean, you know, somebody's got to know some history to know. Yeah. That. Wow. Yeah, that's I, uh, that's going to be awesome. So, so yeah. then I can I can give you the current one, which is readily available. It's I think it's all over the website and everything. It's Observe Design Innovate. Yep. And we kind of changed it because, as you guys will see once you read the comment section on whoever gets this one right, uh, the other one didn't really fit, you know, with what we were currently doing. Yeah. And, um, so we, uh, that's kind of a mantra for us. You know, the, the observe side is to start with the market and that's why we sponsor teams. We work with top riders. We, we go to a lot of events. We want to see where the needs actually lie. You know, we, we don't start with the production side and say, what can we make? We start with the end user and say, what do they need? Yeah. So that's the observe phase. And then design is okay. How can we add value in a way that nobody else can? So we really focus on trying to be innovative and not uh, following other people. We're, we're always trying to find a, the next big thing and not, you know, look backwards and go, okay, well, what is, what is everyone else doing or how do we stay with the herd? Um, so finding those, those need areas and then looking at the areas, the cross section of where we can provide value to fulfill that need better than anybody else. And then innovate um, is just a reminder that at every stage of the process, all the way from, raw material to tooling to production to packaging to you know the the website and how we deal with consumers we want to try to be innovative and try to add value at every single level so it, at the end hopefully the consumer is getting a really good value for for whatever the the price of the yeah. product is awesome is, is the end well, i know that i know the innovate part because i know a long time ago you and i had some long discussions and one of them was like you got to innovate or die right and that's what happens in a, in a, the bicycle industry where everything and moto where everything's always changing you either need to stay up or you're going to fall behind and you can't fall behind one or two years and think you're going to make up it's always and i think you're on the cusp of that with your you know you have two boys who race and ride um who are they're amazing. We've seen them grow up and, you know, <laughs> don't ever cross them on a dollar. They know how to add. <laughs> we, we put them to work at yeah. Sea Otter. Yeah, just passed good. on the, uh, the, the numbers, uh, tricks and games and, and all that. Oh, with yeah. Them. That's, I mean, they're, that's they're awesome. Both, and then you got, and then you got little Miss Olive. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Kobe has, how old are your kids? Uh, 17, 16 and three. Yeah, the, the last one was like, what are yeah. you thinking? <laughs> and it's a girl, so he's like, 
to like. Oh, uh, yeah. Not just a girl, a um, dominant, like she rules the room. You're like kidding. Whatever. Oh, no. I she's... never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that no, how... my boys are mellow. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there was no preparing for this. Like we were like, whoa, what just happened? Uh, like, you can't send her back. <laughs> <laughs> Miss yeah. Olive, you do all you can do, girl. Yeah. You do you. Yeah, she's uh, she keeps us on our toes. I've actually come up with a business model where it's kind of like a CrossFit, but instead of uh, paying to go push some tires around or something, uh, it's a CrossFit married with a daycare where we get a bunch of kids like Olive, <laughs> and you get to watch them for like two hours a day, and I guarantee you'll meet your step goal, and your heart rate will go up. And oh, nice. And then nice. you'll pay us, and yeah. we'll get money from the parents yeah. from the daycare side, and it's just kind of a win-win. Like. Sweet, I'll run it. You got the. We can do it all in here, right? <laughs> Move the table out. Make, we need a padded room. Yeah, we need padded rooms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then not for the kids. It's gonna be for you. Yeah, you're banging you're your head against the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And so, so you talked about when you came onto the ODI side of things, the lock-on grip was just coming on. Mm-hmm. Donnie Jackson, who we had on the show not too long ago, and he's been a longtime friend. I know of Dave's, mm-hmm. um, but he talked about how the lock-on originally was more for the mechanics because it was easier for the mechanics to work on bikes and switch stuff and you know do things not that it was for them but it was it was so the idea came from you know again um before i really started with odi dave was sitting in my chair doing what i was doing and um he was going to races and you know at the time we had the norba events and we were lucky enough to have the biggest norba race right up the hill in big bear and when I first, the first mountain bike race I ever went to, um, I remember, you know, Dave being there and he, people would show up, I don't know, five minutes before they, they had a race run and going, my grips are slipping or I need new grips or, you know, what can you do to, and he would just try to muscle these things on there with, you know, his little, you know, you yeah. didn't have time for grip glue to dry. He didn't have time to, we didn't have an air compressor, you know, at the time. And so you were just trying to get them on there and getting them to stick. And so, you know, the thought process was how can we make this easier on the rider and the mechanic and make it more reliable and make it so, you know, at the time you'd, you'd have the grips on there, then you'd crash, you'd get a little bit of dust in between the bar and the grip. It'd be fine all day. And then you'd be ready to go on your race run. And all of a sudden you got a throttle grip going on. So, um, you know, and then Dave got sick of having these giant Popeye arms at yeah. the end of the weekend, trying to force everybody's stuff on right. there. So him and Donnie were kind of thinking and, and, you know, Oh, you know, what can we do? What can we do? And at the time, there was at least five other companies that were working on the same thing. Like, I remember them doing the initial patent research and looking at it. And there were some pretty interesting designs, if you go back historically and, and see the solutions that people tried. But the reason that we were able to kind of come to market with the first viable uh, and, and something that's really withstood the test of time was because of the closeness with the manufacturing. They were able to understand not only what the needs of the rider were, but how can we get there mm-hmm. given um the the available tools at the time in manufacturing and so you know we've really been able to kind of build on that and keep honing on that and and it's it's been it's been fun to see all the different changes and yeah you know kind of play a part in that i have to kind of bite my tongue right now a little bit because we've had a little bit of a pause on new product releases and i i I can just say that there's a lot in the pipeline nice that's good that given given the right now the I, i hate the word pandemic but the word of the pandemic and then you know availability trying to get things done you you can't even stay on top of orders much less hey let, and there's nothing worse than launching something that oh you two can own that in a year exactly like why <laughs> why launch that like yeah. right. you know that's that's where my and and we've seen that 
fortunately and unfortunately, there hasn't been a whole lot of launches in the past, you know, eight months. But I know, like, Shimano did their 13 speed, and it's great. I mean, but very few came in, and you can't. Yeah, you can't get it. You and know? the real risk is that you get it in and you can't get replacement parts. And that's yeah. so we've been really holding off. We we uh, we did you know see like a lot of the bike industry and, and power sport industry. We we saw you know kind of an increase in demand. Um, we were really early to react. So during the last two years, we've added on kind of the grip side of things. I think we've almost doubled capacity. Um, and at the same time, we really focused on trying to support um, the industry. So there's a lot of people who went, you know, right to Amazon or right to a consumer direct model. We actually shut off a lot of our consumer direct sales so that we could fulfill distributor orders for the sole point of trying to make sure that shops had product. Mm -hmm. We were going into shops and they couldn't get things. We wanted to make sure they had something, whatever little part we could help fulfill. We wanted to make sure those were getting out there. And, um, you know, at the same time, we could have put that product into other channels and made much higher margins. Um, but for my part of it, I, I really want to make sure that the industry grows and that this, uh, interest that we're seeing, you know, across the board in outdoor activities that we get some people to stick to this. We don't want them to come in and and enter the bike market and have a negative experience and then go back to whatever they were doing before. Yeah. Um, you know, other than maybe my CrossFit babysitting thing, that's (laughs) um, going to make that stick. (laughs) That's, that's, but I mean, there's, there's a, the, the beauty of it is we have a lot of people, a lot of new entrants into the market and it's been really cool to be able to go, my kids race, like you said, BMX and they're around on the mountain bike trails and, and seeing a lot of the mountain bike events and, and power sport events. There's a lot of people that are interested. Um, and historically, you know, it was in my generation, usually you got a bike while you're in elementary school. It's probably somewhere between being, you know, six to 10 years old you got a 20 inch bike. It might've been, you know, at the time from target or Jemco or right. whatever, but uh, Jemco. Jemco. Oh He's yeah. Jemco. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Old school for the old school <laughs> yeah. people out there. Um, but they, um, I like it. You, it may have been kind of a lower end bike, but you had a bike. And, and what mm-hmm. we've seen is that recently a lot of people just never get a bike. It's they've never, you get people now that are 25, 30 years old and they've never thrown exactly. their legs over a bike whatsoever. So, but they got married, and they're with somebody who's like, oh, let's get bikes because gyms were closed and stuff. And some of these people that come in the bike store are like, never in a bike. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Sad like, days. I know. So, because it's, So sad. I mean, it's, it's but an out. happy days because they're getting on bikes. But, but yeah. if you don't get those people, if they never get access to it, and if nobody crosses that bridge and welcomes them in and says, hey, let me show you how to – then you've lost them forever. And right. So I'm hoping – with this surge in interest that we can kind of maintain as many people as possible. And, and with that comes the trail advocacy and comes, you know, the bargaining power with uh, municipalities and states to be able to keep trails open and have access to outdoor activities that um, really that, you know, the beauty of the bike industry and is that you can ride out of your driveway Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you can go, you know, do a a fitness ride or a fun ride, or, you know, if there are some local trails or pump tracks or something, then, you can actually go out and get some really good physical fitness without yeah. having to go get in a car and drive to a gym, without having to have a membership somewhere, without having to pay, you know, exorbitant fees to, to go out and, and rent track time or something well, like that. Well, I think that. it starts, I mean, we, we talked about this, and I talked about this with my crew. 
the experience starts at the bike shop, right? You give them that experience, and it's out there, hospitality, right? You walk into a, a hotel. Have you really ever had that? I mean, you know, you walk into a hotel, they're like, hey, how can we help you? Like, it's great, right? Hopefully, bike shops are doing that same hospitality because you don't know what that person's experience, what their history, what anything is. And I always tell my crew, remember, outside this, outside these doors, you don't know what someone's life is, what they're going through, they're dealing with, or what they know or don't know. So right. when they come in here, it's our job to give them all the info, even if they don't buy a bike that day, or they might not buy it from us. They may go to the local big box company and buy something there, but at least they're informed and they might need something and come back to us. Right. Right. So you would hope that. And so it goes, I think that we were just talking about this because we sold bikes. It was so crazy busy. You, you get them a bike, get it ran through and you're like, well, there you go. You know, maybe they got a helmet. You didn't sell them the seat bag, the pumps. Oh, try out these grips. Like, you just didn't have time or the manpower. Right. Well, those people are now coming back in the shops, and you're now you're showing them that. Now you're, you know, you want them to come back in because what happens when they go out on the trail and they're like, oh, I didn't know anything about let's use lock on grips, right? Because not, I mean, bikes come with good grips, but there's some that do not, and you're like, you should change these out. Like, they don't know when they get that sticky when you're taking a bike and it's like, oh, gosh. You know, you don't even want to touch You're holding by the bars, right? So there is that hospitality, that knowledge is power, right? We've always talked about that. So, I mean, I would hope any bike shops out there do the whole hospitality so that they come back to you or another bike shop or wherever you're at and give them that experience of what's out there and what you what makes everything better, right? Our, it's, I mean, you guys get out because you love riding, right? Yep. So. But I think it's, you know, it's more water raises all boats on this. And so I think, you know, the more people we can get in, the more it's going to benefit overall. And, yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit different, um, you know, in different industries. But I've seen, like, the surf industry has a really good advoca- advocacy mm. group. And they do a really good job of keeping access to beaches open. Skate industry has had a fairly good advocacy group, and you can thank skate industry for the reason that we have pump tracks in, um, or yep. not, uh, skate parks and pump tracks, because they were the ones that originally went to the parks and, and to the municipalities and said, you can't exclude one class of user. So if you're going to do that, you have to, to give some sort of access. Um, you know, the bike industry needs to, to kind of build that up and really, mm-hmm. you know, kind of promote and get together. And it doesn't matter if they're on, you know, a, a trike or, you know, a beach cruiser, uh, a downhill bike or, you know, 20-inch, you know. We should all get together and say, hey, you know, more butts on bikes is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to make that T-shirt, more butts on bikes. Yeah. And I think someone already like did Colby. that. Colby. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll yeah. throw a grip next to it, right? Yeah. Well, let's uh, go to our commercial break. And before we do that, before we do our official commercial, we'll uh, just thank Kenda again for sponsoring the, the program. Thanks, Kenda. Yeah, thanks, Kenda. Go to uh, kenda.com, on their, look on their bicycle tires. You can plug in the code Huck and Ride 30 get your discount. Um, I know that they've been having more and more tires available, so H-U-C-K-N-R-I-D-E-3-0. And thank you, Kenda. And here's some words from our Trail Tune sponsor. How much thought have you put into your mountain bike suspension? Most riders set the air pressures, and that's the last time they ever think about it. But why not make the most of the technology inside your bike's fork and shop? The crew at Trail Tune Suspension can help you dial in your ride with factory-level service and tuning, complete with data acquisition equipment to really analyze your needs. 
based on your skill, speed, height, weight, and riding locale. Fast turnaround times, competitive pricing, and free return shipping inside of Southern California make the Trail Tune Suspension Crew the obvious choice to get your ride dialed in. Support local homegrown businesses. Check them out at trailtunesuspension.com. Welcome back. Thank you, Trail Tune. Um, once again, he's local. He, he'll send it back to you at free shipping. He does everything. Talk to him. Give him a call. He's a great guy. Local local businesses we always try to we, support, right? We've been, we've been uh, we're already three races in to this year. And uh, our suspension just got redone at the in the quote unquote off season. And, <laughs> California uh, off season. Yeah, California off season. Um, yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, his, yeah. he just does quality work and quick turnaround time. So check him out. Yep. So Colby, so you brought in um, that was a serious the original. Yeah, this is this is this is serious. This is serious talking. He's listening <laughs> intently. So the original lock on was dual lock on rings. Mm -hmm. How long ago was it that you guys introduced the single lock-on? It had to be about 2015. Um, so the reason for the single clamp was actually um, to try to service the power sports market. Better. Okay. So the original intent of that was to develop uh, a clamping system for the motocross uh, lock-on grips. And so that was our um, kind of test case that we, we developed everything around um, and that worked out really well. You know, we, we ended up getting something that was much stronger than anything else that was available and kind of passed all of the tests that we had. As a matter of fact, uh, we were just looking at the YouTube video of one of the original tests. I think it's still on the ODI YouTube where they um, clamped a grip onto a pole or onto a handlebar and um, lifted up a 600-pound mold um, just to kind of show how difficult it is to kind of move that yeah. grip. And, you know, and while it's suspended, they loosen the clamp and you can just see everything fall. So, you know, exactly how it was being held. Right. So, um, you know, we kind of have uh, had a really high standard on that. And then once we uh, developed it for power sports, we saw that, hey, this could add some advantages to the um, bicycle side as well. So we've been transitioning things over to that. Um, we have quite a bit of uh, new items that are coming out on that some of the advantages to it are on the back end kind of manufacturing side um, where we can, um, the way that the tooling is set up on the machines, we can just kind of make colors and some other things more efficiently, Yeah. Uh, which is kind of helpful on certain products. So, you know, that's part of it. But the other side is it opens up a lot of other opportunities to kind of innovate um, and then also is easier for the end user to assemble everything. Okay. Does, when they came out, so... I quickly became a fan of the Pro Elite, which I think is maybe one of your most popular. I think on the mountain bike side, it's it's definitely one of the top two or three. They kind of yeah. mix places a bunch, um, and then yeah. So so recently though, I because it's been a few years since I'd run like the older lock-on grips, so I put on a pair of the Vans grips for the downhill i love those things like, <laughs> those are so my, good. i told you the other day those are my i know favorite. i was like i love oh i'm i'm back to you i like this so anyhow you can't go wrong with any of them but i was just it's funny because uh, when the the single lock-on came out it's like we kind of went that route and that's what i've been running and it's like my ir my iridescent purple vans one oh yeah yeah 
limited sure. runs are amazing. Like he's like, ah, oh, we weren't going to try this color. I'm like, I'll take them. Yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. So what always happens with the limited runs is as soon as we run out of product, that's when all of the demand hits. So I, we must be doing a little too limited. But yeah, um, yeah, the the Vans grips is a, uh, are an amazing grip. Um, it's been awesome to work with them. You know, our, our, we get hit up a lot on co-brands. So I'll give you guys kind of the inside scoop yeah. on that. We have a lot of people that say, hey, what does it take to work with you guys and make a grip? And kind of our um, th- what we're looking for in that is that both parties need to bring something to the table. We have like a good platform. We have a lot of uh, grip knowledge and, and molding knowledge. But we also want whoever we're partnering with to, to bring something to the table. And the Vans shoe pattern, which you have to get just right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a trademarked pattern. So you can't just throw any kind of waffle pattern together and say, Oh, it's a van. It had to go through legal and do all this. They were absolutely amazing to work with. And it's just very fortuitous that their shoe pattern also works really well. Yeah. It gives a, a good combination of kind of feel and also traction. Yeah. Um, and the guys there are just super authentic, um, of all the brands that we've worked with. Definitely. Um, those guys, have their finger on the pulse of the market as much as anybody else and they're just yeah. super chill to work with so it's it's one of those ones i, I really get excited when i get to work with those guys and do cool. some cool stuff yeah you have some other uh co-brands you do who, who are some of the other grips that you so um with? you know the the most long standing is probably the yeti grips that mm-hmm. uh, we did, and we actually have the the most recent iteration of that is the uh, Yeti edition of the Elite Pro Grip, okay. which is in the the Yeti turquoise and has a, a Yeti branded clamp on it. Which is so it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get to yep. match your Yeti bike and get the Elite Pro, which is a, a really really good grip. Um, we've worked with uh, Troy Lee mm-hmm. on, on a lot of things. Uh, we've um, we worked with with obviously with Vans. Um, I'm just, I'm starting to blink now. Uh, my cheat sheet. <laughs> over SDG. S- SDG. Um, we got Tangent that we've done a lot of stuff with. Stay Strong. The Stay Strong is, um, like a lot of guys on the mountain bike side probably don't know about that. Stephen Murray's brand. Okay. After he was injured, um, they originally started the brand in order to help with his medical bills and, and help him to continue to survive. And um, he's since moved back to the UK um, and still needs a lot of care and effort. Mm-hmm. But they've been able to take the brand and kind of um, get it beyond the point where it's just kind of helping him out. And it now has kind of more of that, uh, that mentality that they're trying to sell the stay strong, you know, the overcome adapt. Um, We still, to this day, everything that we sell for stay strong, uh, a portion of whatever we sell goes, goes back to Stephen Murray and that organization. And uh, he's he's doing really well. Good. Um, Good. And then we have, you know, one of our biggest co-brands technically is KTM. Oh, yeah. Uh, we do a lot. Uh, we're OE spec on all of the KTM off-road models right now. And and there's, there's I think, some more in the pipeline at some point. And I remember it was quite a few years ago, but I remember uh, once you kind of made a bigger move into the moto market and seeing the ODI crossbar pad on, on TV, I was like, hey, there it is. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, so. I, still, I still geek out on that a little nice. bit. Nice, that's, that's nice, good, funny, but as you should. Well, I, know, <laughs> I know a couple, more than a couple of years now, but you also, and I'm looking at them on the other side of the room, um, hoods, and then you got into bar tape. So yeah. on the road bike side. Yeah, uh, road bike side. So, yeah, the, the hoods brand we, we picked up, and um, it, unfortunately with the pandemic and then with the um, – 
proliferation of so many different models, right? As we kind of took, we, we haven't been able to give it the attention that we want, but we still have plans for that brand to, to hopefully be able to kind of continue and develop. And, and um, you know, a lot of things got put on hold um, based on not being able to travel and not being able to get where we need to be to kind of do some of the innovation right. on that. But hopefully that will uh, will keep growing. And there's, there's the innovation part, right? Yep. yep. Always going. So I mean, we run your bars in STEM. I know you don't. You're not doing much of those anymore, but I, I love my, my yeah. audio bars. So. Yeah. So you do, in the moto market, you do bars and grips. Um, and then you also do number plates for mountain bikes, mm -hmm. downhill bikes, um, which is really cool because you can kind of personalize your bike and, you know, do add some personal touches. You do that as well with engraving on the lock rings. Mm -hmm. So... And then really we cool. recently launched our V-Twin line as well. So we have a co-brand with Carrie oh, yeah. Hart oh, okay. um, at, for uh, Harley-Davidson and V-Twin bikes. It's a little bit of a moto-inspired full waffle grip um, that takes out a lot of the vibration uh, that you get on those V-Twins and, you know, takes it out. I thought that's why you bought a V-Twin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that would be ideal, being Carrie Hart doing that. That's because he's... He's all those spectrum, the the BMX, the moto, the so yeah, and and his motorcycle. So that's that's actually perfect. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, let's talk about on the personal side. Uh oh, are so, we going? Are we going to see Otter personal well, side? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> what, what, so so because there's a there's a personal tie into him being part of ODI. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So you yeah, want the cleaning lady? <laughs> <laughs> so that. That's kind of an interesting story, and I guess, you know, it's one that deserves to be told. So um, while I was at school, um, I, I, the way this actually really came about, and it's funny because I, I was just hanging out with this buddy. A buddy of mine had an apartment in uh, San Bernardino, and um, someone I went to school, to high school with, and he was an, a neighbor of mine, almost like a brother. We'd known each other 30-some-odd years. Um, but I would come home from school or at home. I'd come over from school and I didn't have any family in the area and I'd go hang out with him for the weekend. And directly across from him, there was um, an apartment that became occupied by a bunch of girls. And unbeknownst to me, the two of the apartments kind of inevitably, inevitably mixed and kind of had some, some parties and stuff that they threw in. And you like girls. I, I do. I do like okay, girls. Okay, so I just double checking. Um, <laughs> so they uh, had preordained that they were going to set me up with this one girl that I, I didn't know about and came to a Halloween one party one year and they introduced me to Heidi. Um, and you know, we ended up uh, hitting it off and kind of talking and stuff over the phone. But again, I didn't have anywhere like I was, I was going to school at UCLA and I didn't have anywhere in the Inland Empire to stay. So eventually when I would want to leave for the weekend, um, Heidi's parents were nice enough to let me crash at their house in, in Norco back in the day. And um, if anyone knows my, my wife, Heidi, uh, she's not much of an early riser. And I'm a little bit of the opposite of that. I, I kind of am an <laughs> early riser. So I would end up uh, at the weekends on her house, at her house with uh, two, three hours to kill. And it would be like the first one up, just kind of staring out the window. And it turned into uh, me and her dad talking. And, you know, I was in school for business at the time, and he was running a business. And so we would just kind of talk shop and then – Eventually, one day, I got a phone call that said, hey, I have a, a position open here if you're interested. It was kind of bad timing. I was right at the end of my junior year of college, but so I had um, another year to go, and I was like, I don't know if I could swing this, but did a little bit of research and found out that uh, at the time, um, you know, so Dave Heidi's dad was the person who runs Edge Plastics. Uh, they're right down the street from UCR, and I could finish out, 
you know, the, the last few classes I had at UCR. So I was actually able to uh, transition over and I started this job technically a year before I graduated college. Okay. And then did my last, I think, uh, two quarters. I did so the quarter system. So I did one quarter where I commuted to UCLA and then my last two quarters at UCR. Okay. So yeah, technically my, my father-in-law runs the business, but there you go. Oh, you so just said it. So for, for the simplicity, yeah. father-in-law is your boss, mm-hmm. and father-in-law's daughter is Heidi, who's your wife. Right. Yeah. So to, to kind of put it all succinctly, but it yeah. didn't start out that way. It kind of Yeah. Started. Okay. All right. Good deal. I mean, there you it go. just kind of fortuitously came out of some early morning breakfast. So wake up early, kids. It can pay off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if, if anyone knows Dave, um, he, he had to work. It wasn't... Oh, okay, now you're dating my daughter. Here, you, no, and Colby puts in more hours than like anyone I know. Oh I mean, yeah, so yeah. I can call him at eleven o'clock, and he's yeah. just leaving here sometimes. And I know Heidi's done put the kids to bed when they were younger and stuff. So I and just recently he's taking a little bit more family time. So which is awesome because you don't well, get those well memories deserved, back. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So putting in the work is definitely. I I, there, I can't say that enough about you because I know there's days you hadn't been home in. Ooh, 45, 50, 60 days, but like to shower and sleep and out early, right? <laughs> yeah, so you, you've you done quite a bit of traveling with the job. Tell me, because um, I've heard of, of a few, tell me your favorite airport story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one seems loaded. Um. <laughs> well, we've heard a few of them because you're, you're yeah, definitely so entertaining. By far, my, my favorite one is... Um, so I had an opportunity to go to Eurobike, but at the time we didn't, we were a little bit understaffed here at ODI. I needed some help. So one of my buddies, um, that I grew up with is, um, been in the bike industry for a while and, and power sports and kind of, um, just from knowing me knew the brand really well. And I, and he, uh, always wanted to go to Germany. And I said, Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll pay your way to Germany. I need a, sep- a second set of hands at this event. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to go and he was like, yeah, I'm down, let's go. So, um, we went to um, the Eurobike show via the um, Switzerland, and I, I can't remember exactly all the story how it goes down to it. But somehow, we end after the show. We leave. We're getting ready to go. We end up at the airport the night before we're supposed to take off. So we've got uh, like 16 hours to our flight, and we fully expected we were going to catch a cab from the airport. Maybe go at least go somewhere, get some dinner, do something, uh, but hopefully get a hotel and then come back the next morning. We went to go get a cab and it was, I can't remember how many francs, like 60 or 70 francs to go like two miles. And at the time that was like 160, $170 US. We didn't, we didn't have enough money. So we're like, oh crap. Okay. I guess we're we're stuck here for the night. So hadn't really done that before, but it was really interesting. Uh, The Swiss airport, they shut down at like 10 PM and they, you know, they turn off the lights, but they don't lock any of the doors. And as soon as they like dim the lights, every flat surface in that airport was covered with people sleeping. Like they just found anywhere and everywhere they could. And so we were really, really bored running around trying to figure out what to do. Um, we took one of the luggage carts up to the um, parking garage where they had one of those little swirl kind of exit things. And we decided to luge down that. So one of us was on the front and the other one was on the back. And you had to kind of steer using your, your oh, shoes yeah. on the wheels. And we got to the point where uh, David was steering and I was, I was on the front losing and his shoes started to smoke and almost catch on fire. So we're like, okay, so maybe we shouldn't do that. Then um, when they shut the airport down, maybe we should do that. They, uh, 
they have kind of a slope in the front of the airport, and there's some speed bumps. So we took the luge carts and we or the luggage carts. Luge carts. <laughs> <laughs> and we were trying. <laughs> They're to no get, longer called luggage carts. <laughs> we're trying to get some air off of the speed bumps on the street, literally in front of this international airport, and we thought we were going to get in trouble. And so their their security guards are walking around with M16s and you know they look like they're 12 years old but they've got these giant yeah. guns and you know they stop us and you know what are you doing we're, we're bored what do you want us to do and they're like okay <laughs> 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 so then we chased them down we're like hey can we shoot your guns and they're like no and we're like oh but we're American we know what we're doing it's okay and they're <laughs> like maybe next time <laughs> so yeah that was an interesting night nice lots nice. of uh, fun photos but I don't that's kind of where uh, I stopped really enjoying airports after 16 hours. If yeah. Stuck there that, yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not all. It's cut up to be, is it? No. I, don't know. I think I've. I think I had one long one where, when I was going to, I think Mount Saint Anne, where I had to stay the night in one. But more so, it's always been quick. Like you're gonna miss your next one. You're like, you know. Right. And being heavy. Oh my God. I was like. <laughs> You know, yeah. you get to the yeah. next one. Where's Colby's luge cart? He can push me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Colby, can you fly here right away? With <laughs> well, I have to give props to the, the, the Swiss airport or Switzerland airport because they um, they were really accommodating for us. They, we easily, I think, at LAX would have been under arrest probably yeah. three or four times. Yeah. With all, all the shenanigans <laughs> that we were. And th- the best part about that was the next day we woke up and it, or we didn't wake up. We were there when they finally opened up the McDonald's and. We only we realized we only had enough money left to buy one meal for McDonald's. It was like, I can't, it was like sixteen dollars U.S. for a, a egg McMuffin meal. So he got the hash brown, I got the sandwich, he got the coffee, and then they gave us like a little chocolate mint, and we like fought over that mint. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a nice touch for sixteen dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to talk to David. He didn't send you with enough money. <laughs> Here, go make an appearance over there, but you got 20 bucks to spend for yeah, the whole time. Yeah, it, was, it added to the uh, whole ambiance of the whole thing. Yeah. Hey, it's memories. We've been there with, uh-oh, we got $100 left. We got oh, 6,000 yeah. miles to go. What are we doing, yeah. you know? you Hopefully your gas makes it home, right? I want to talk about sea otter. Okay, what about sea otter? <laughs> so. Waffles at the hotel? No. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have them last year. I was really well, disappointed. COVID. Was, yeah, COVID. COVID. Yeah. COVID, COVID, you took my damn waffles, and yeah. I will never forgive you. <laughs> no, but that was fun. Like, we set up with you a couple times, and we're behind the canopy, and just so we had a place to go to, because if you guys know Sea Otter, once you're, if you're staying in a hotel, then you try to go in, you're in for the day, because there's so many different events of people. And we um, and there was hot dogs being served and spin the wheel, <laughs> and oh. and I think more of the spin the wheel dials was get a hug from Lala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I haven't forgiven him for that. Yeah, yet. Grand, that grand was pre COVID. You could do that then. Oh okay. yeah. From La- a hug yeah. from Lala was yeah. Yeah. But it didn't have to be on there eight times. Like, like <laughs> I'm like doing something for the team, and you're like, Lala, you got to go give a hug. Lala, you got to <laughs> go. People, go give people a hug. were upset when they didn't win that too. I, I know. Remember I remember one guy was like, demand. I don't want this. I want a hug from Lala. I'm like. <laughs> no, but you always made it fun, and that's where I realized your son knew how to make five hundred dollars, and he got made like one hundred and fifty bucks. And he was the other one was off doing his thing. The one was just like, "I'm making money." Yeah, you know. So, so my kids literally grew up at Sea Otter. Like the, our first Sea Otter, my wife was eight and a half months pregnant with Cameron, and I, we we camped up that hill right when you pull it. And I remember pushing her up the hill because she couldn't. She was just you know huge. Waddling. Oh yeah. <laughs> And yeah, that that was a, a little bit of a rough year. And then they 
the first time that they ever, so we'd bought them walking bikes when they were like two or three years old and they, and they just kind of literally walked with them for about a month. And then when they finally went to Sea Otter and saw everyone riding by, it was the first time they actually picked up their feet and started coasting. And probably both of their like first races ever were, you know, at Sea Otter. And yeah, so it's it's been kind of a family tradition. It was a bummer to kind of see it get canceled. I think last Sea Otter was the first year we didn't set up in mm-hmm. 19 years are you doing this years. next one yeah we are definitely doing the next you're one. there in are April. you serving hot dogs i don't know about the hot dogs we we'll get, maybe we can get dogs. paul shrek to come back and do yeah. it. especially when they fall in the sand and you just wipe them off put them back on the grill we'll, we'll get them to do hot dogs you guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just tell them jason sent you we're yeah. good <laughs> all right so that, is that part of the lunch with lala deal i'm gonna put that on yeah. the wheel this year lunch, lunch with lala, with lala. yeah as long as it's hot dogs one, oh, you know, being on this, I miss hot dog. So one thing I missed is the Wiener Central hot dog, no, the chili don't. dog. No, you don't. Oh no, I lost sixty pounds. I said my goal was sixty pounds. When I lost sixty, they went, my crew went and got me one. Oh, so good. <laughs> 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 I even called my coach. I'm like, I had a hot dog. I, she's like, you know, you get it without the bun. I'm like. I had a chili dog. I'm With the good. bun, you got it. Everything. Yeah. I had. Yeah. <laughs> but Sometimes they're turkey you gotta, dogs. You got to so. live. You got to live. They're turkey dogs. That was good, but it was so good. Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, okay. So, what's your favorite type of riding on a bicycle? Ooh. What not, do you like to do? Not the bridge at Woodward. <laughs> Definitely not the bridge at Woodward. That is, that is 100%. <laughs> You know, the problem with Lala is that she knows where all the all the skeletons are buried. Oh, know? I know. Like and got, she, she, she brings them up. Yeah. she's <laughs> Digs yeah. them all up. This is, this is what I was worried about. Like, <laughs> can we just go to like a censored bar? <laughs> no. We'll be back. Um, so, you know, I think the I just enjoy going out riding with, with my boys. You know, I, it's been really cool. Uh, you know, it's a cool family activity. So before we had kids, my wife and I would go to the beach and ride on the weekends just to, you know, have some place to go. And I remember, you know, we got our first little tow long trailer and we'd have the two boys in there and, and we would go to the back bay because it had, um, you know, the kind of worn out road there, the blacktop and not the, the pavement. And it would just get just the right resonance to put the kids right to sleep. I must've sold like 30 of those things to parents. <laughs> like, Whoa, that works. amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from there we, we they we took them on their first mountain bike rides and you know at first you're trying to pull them up the hills and, and then eventually they're trying to pull you up the hills because yeah. you know you can't you know keep up with them anymore but just you know being able to go either you know somewhere local you know go to holy crooks go ride that santa Ana river trail go up to sky park or something or go ride summit and be able to hang out with the with the boys and the family and, and that's fun um and then my little one she's just getting into She's still doing the walking bike races, mm-hmm. but she's right on the cusp of starting to do BMX at, oh, wow. at three years old. So nice. Wow. It'll be fun. And then my wife actually got to give her props. She did. She started getting into BMX. She did her first ever BMX race, crashed, level five separation in her shoulder, required oh, major surgery and cadaver tendons. Re- she's back on the bike and out there racing again. So oh, wow. Man. Nice. So she's braver than me. I sit there and cringe the entire time she's on the track. Good job, Heidi. <laughs> yeah, high five. But, That's uh, yeah. awesome. So, yeah. Cool. So it's kind of, you know, bikes have been, you know, they've been part of the family. Like the whole yeah. time, you know, Sea Otter and going to workcations and, and right. going to all these different events and stuff. So it's, it's a okay. fun family activity. Get, yeah. get everybody over there. Take your kids out. Go ride. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on something earlier, too, and it kind of ties into just riding. But you talked about the mountain biking in general how 
Well, you shared how other things are so cohesive and how they get advocacy groups and things like that. And that's one, been one of the things that we've talked about on the program here is mountain biking seems so sporadic. Like it's just like no one will just band together. And, and I think we get caught in fighting a lot. Yeah. On that. And then not that that doesn't exist in other uh, action sports worlds or other things, but it just – if we can find a way to put aside the differences between not just mountain biking, but all, you know, roadies, yeah. uh, 20 inch, you know, at the end of the day, um, we all kind of share a love of this, you know, being on two wheels and getting out there. And most people cross over at least a little bit. There's very yeah. few people I know that don't have a mountain bike and something else. Yeah. Um, and it would be really cool to kind of see, you know, people let down their guard and kind of work together and see some of these uh, advocacy groups kind of, stop competing with one another and, and, and start all kind of pushing in the same direction. I do think um, on that front, NICA, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of a generation of people not really getting on bikes. And, and we saw it being in the BMX market. We saw a lot of kids skip to BMX and went to scooters, which I'm sure you were at the bike shop at the mm -hmm. time. You saw it, it was huge. Um, and a lot of those people never came back, but some of them are now getting reintroduced to bikes in their yep. high school years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of cool. And, and that is helping. I think you know, you're going to see the reverberations of that 20, 30 years from now, yeah. um, you know, when they're still riding bikes and then their kids are, are now riding bikes. And yeah. I think it's different, too, in the cities. Like, because, I mean, I came one of my places that I worked has, you know, a million miles of of trails and, and you know, the paseos and things like that. Because you have city people who ride and get it right. Mm -hmm. Then you go to a city that. The mayor doesn't ride, the, you know, the secretaries, whatever. Nobody rides. The manager doesn't ride. City manager doesn't ride. So yeah. what is it to them? But if there's a car show and they're into cars, oh, let's put on 10 car shows in a month, right? Right. So I, I think a lot of it is, and this is something we've always, knowledge is power, right? Know what's around. Because that brings money. That brings revenue to the cities. That brings people to the cities. Like, you know, you have Vail Lake uh, growing there. I mean, yeah, Velocity's growing. Yeah. EC and Stephen Walton out yeah. there doing building new trails. Yep. And it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the works for them. And um, and then, you know, bike park, or Sky Park, look what happened up there. You have husband and wife that just loved riding bikes, and look what that's brought to the table, right? And yeah. it's, what, an hour from us, right? So yeah. I think I think it's The potential's more, there. Yeah. What, what I've seen is that people are willing to travel to ride their oh, bike. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the cool thing is you don't have to, and you can have your favorite local trails, but having some of these destinations and some some areas where you can have shared experiences are really really important yeah and um like you're saying some of these local trails and just um what i've seen even with some of the pump tracks and some of the areas that do like uh Holy crooks is a perfect example they have a really good trail network there in loma linda and you know during the pandemic man it was like shoulder to shoulder riding on there with so many new people on bikes but they're a great community people really looking out for one another and and not really fighting with each other and and it it's a great activity to get outside get some fresh air you know don't feel like you're cooped up and get, yeah i mean i mean look at you guys look at look at how great you guys are looking right now so i bet bikes played a part in that oh, oh yeah. absolutely Definitely. yeah i mean i was you know and we've talked about it on the program before but we hadn't shared with you but like so i started the the optavia program and you know i had a goal weight of you know losing like 50 pounds I got to 50 and I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going because I feel so good. And I just, I was riding my bike more mm -hmm. and I just, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, my hour long ride went from 10 miles to 
13 miles, you know, it's increasing. So I'm going, well, I'm getting faster. Like I'm actually, and so now it's just like, it's off the charts. Like it sped up in five months, I lost 80 pounds and there's no way I could have done that without including the cycling in it. Right. You know? And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, and I, that's why I get so excited to share our sport too. It's why we do the team for so long. Why, why are we doing, doing this? Because we absolutely love the sport. We believe in it. We know that it's a healthy choice for people. And we, think we just we think we're dumb sometimes. But <laughs> well, I know that. But and speaking of that, that's all your fault. Uh, yeah, sorry. We can get into that. <laughs> Real, on, the, on the trail side, though, one of the things, and, and I think there's two sides, as I've seen, but, you know, you take a place like Sky Park, and one of the things I love about going there is the age range that's mm-hmm. going to, I mean, you, from 6 to, you know, 65, 70 years old, it's very um, accessible to mm-hmm. all different groups of people. And, you know, for any cities out there who are thinking about, you know, start with a, a pump track. You know, you go to some of these pump tracks and from three years old to 70 years old, it's something that people can kind of get their feet wet, get get used right. to it, get some bike skills. And you don't have to go clear up the mountain out of where no one's at and you're, you're right there in the city. And it's actually more of a workout than a lot of people realize. Oh, yeah. You can you can get a yeah. definite workout there. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, and I take full responsibility for, for these guys and their team. It's, I, yeah. I apologize to the world right now. Yeah. I'm going to get it on record. Yeah. No. In, in a good way. Somebody came came to us. Ooh. Uh, we're at Interbike in like 2011, I think. And you had been supporting the team. We had we just had our grassroots downhill team. And you, you pulled us aside at, at Interbike and you said, Jay, Lala, I have this idea. We need to hit this enduro market. This this new market is taking off. And, they, and, and they, I, need to, I need to have a team with ODI name on it. All right, let's do this. <laughs> then we jumped in. So, yeah, that was kind of the start of the first time we had an elite team. Well, yeah, you know, and, where and, we had and, that was, and that was the thing of, like, allowing the juniors a place to go to land in between that awkward years going between World yeah. Cups. So it evolved into that. But, yeah, definitely the ODI team was, was rad, like – and I mean, we have John Buck. For those of you guys who know John Buckle, that was that was actually one of our hearts. You know, you oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. gotta have a place for John to go, and that was like get this. His grandpa, David Buckle, just came out to the races Last at Fontana. Yeah, seventy nine awesome. years old. He's That's out there amazing. doing his his beginner cross country race still. Well, I just want to go on record as saying nobody can force Lala to do anything. You're just trying to harness <laughs> lightning. All I did was just. Pointed in a direction. Harness the it. lightning. That, I just pointed pointed the lightning in the direction, and then and then it, it went from there. Like you really can't you, control. And that. you used to know how to figure out how to get me because you used to just wave a burrito in front of my face, and <laughs> I would follow you wherever. Now now it's like I don't know what you need to do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, show don't know. show me to the carrot patch or something. <laughs> yeah, fruits and vegetables now for him. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's low carb. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's. I mean, it's been awesome. We're, that's what we always talk about our passion. But the same thing, why. You keep coming up with stuff, and you keep going. It's it's the passion for what we're doing, and why you're why you guys are sitting here talking about how the advocacy and doing all it's all passion because yeah. we know what it does for us, mental health, everything. Like getting out on two wheels is whew, absolutely it's revigorating. It's it's a reset for sure. I just I don't like staring at the the uh, mirror in the gym. It's just not mm-hmm. like I'd, I'd rather have some scenery there. You know, yep. it's yeah. You know, I'd rather. I mean, there's a place for the gym, and uh, you know, it's fine. Uh, it, but the, if I have my choice, I'd rather be outside doing something, yeah. having some fun. Plus, 
no cool story ever started with, I was in the gym this one time. <laughs> <laughs> and how many great stories you have? You know, oh, I was on a ride one time. Like I still remember the, you told me about the uh, fog ride yeah. and uh, the, the bees nest that. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was on the fog fest ride in uh, Kernville. I don't think I've shared this story on here. Uh-uh. And See, I have an arsenal too. I, I know oh, yeah. some of the bodies so we, Yeah, so the ride started with a, a pretty brutal climb, which 90% of the people, I think, was hike-a-bike. Like, Brian Lopes was there, so he definitely wasn't hike-a-biking. He probably <laughs> did it three times while I was hiking it. <laughs> but um, one of the riders was, was actually climbing, coming through, and I'm trudging up the hill, walking up, pushing my bike, and I look back, and I see him coming. It's single track. So I go to step off the trail, stepped in some just dead undergrowth and stuff. Little did I know it was a hornet's nest, Ugh. literally. And I stepped in it. Yeah, and it was hornets just swarmed my whole body. Oh, you got and, stung a few times. Oh, my gosh. That was miserable. And I finished the ride because yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, but, that's the part that I, yeah, I remember. So yeah. You, you finished the ride. Swollen I finished the ride. and stung. And, oh, yeah. yeah. It still it still had to power through. Yeah, I'm there to ride my bike. So, oh. but. Yeah. I would have been on the ground. Well, not See, right how many times been. has that happened to you in a gym? Didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah it wouldn't have, wouldn't have had a cool story in the gym. No, no. <laughs> step, step backwards and yeah, step my like, toe on a barbell. I, I was on the stair stepper, and <laughs> I kept stepping, and then nothing happened. I, I, that was it. <laughs> yeah, so we're not starting with that story. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, so I think we're about good on time. Oh, we, we made it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and no. you didn't think you had anything to talk about. Oh, well, I know I was worried I'd have too much to talk about. <laughs> I just worried that I didn't want to bore everybody with all the uh, things I have to talk about. But. No, you're well, it's Thank awesome. you for your time. I know you're you're super busy and uh you know, just sharing your stories and sharing your your passion for for what you do in the sport. Um anything two wheels honestly because I know we we follow Supercross and Motocross and BMX and all that stuff. I'm looking at uh, stuff over on the wall of, you know, gold medals from Connor Fields and, um, you know, some of the old moto athletes that you've sponsored over the years. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for putting on the show. Yeah. Thanks for always believing in us. We always yeah. we, lo- we love that for sure. Yeah. Even when I'm a pain in the butt. <laughs> never oh, never mm, <laughs> i don't know about that hey you guys can't live without me in your lives so we're good. <laughs> but if you haven't heard from me in a while you definitely shoot me a text like hey are you good like, yeah. so I know, and i do it back and forth so because because if uh, you haven't heard from lala in a while you're worried she might be waiting around a corner <laughs> and then you're going to get one of those patented lala hugs <laughs> my kids know those hugs they're like oh you can't escape a lala hug exactly they, once right? it initiates you that's it it's locked in you're done yeah Hey, your boys give me hugs. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. I love them. But no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're doing, no matter which path life takes you down, keep, keep the, the rubber, rubber side, side down. down.